Bam, we're live. There you are. <laughs> yeah, bright and early. I'm I'm up. Where, where are you? What what state are you in? I'm right. I'm your neighbor. I live in San Jose. I'm in California. That's right. That's yeah. right. Holy cow! You did you think about being like, hey, can we do nine a.m.? <laughs> well, I just do what I'm told. I'm a very I'm a good student. <laughs> I, well, I, I I really appreciate it. I um I always expect people to push back who are on the West Coast, and anyone who's listening, that's totally fine to do that. We had uh, Don um, Fall, the new CEO, on a couple days ago, and yeah. he's in, he he's more. I think he's a little closer to you than me. He's in Woodside. Yeah, I listened. Like, I listened to that, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's yeah, he's right up the peninsula. I heard him saying. Yeah. So if I wouldn't have said hi to you, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen me that I came on. No. I know, like, like right now, I assume you're looking at me and I'm thinking, I wonder what this guy, I wonder what this guy looks like. Yeah, yeah. I'm just staring into like a, a light that's in front of me. Um, you're, you, well, um, do you know what you look like? Well, a younger version of myself. So I'll try to keep that in my, <laughs> I will forever be, you know, like 26. That's awesome. Uh, that that's when you lost your sight at twenty six. Well, i I was born with the eye condition. It's called retinitis pigmentosa, and it's the deterioration of the retina. So I was diagnosed when I was five because that's you know when I started school and teachers started noticing that I was tripping over things or not seeing things. And after that, obviously, then I was diagnosed and it's a slow progression of vision loss. Um, so I had some vision, but it was, it's like a slow burn until I was 32 and I am 40 now. And, um, I had to have an emergency surgery. And when I came out of the surgery, all my vision was gone. I want want to dig into all that. I I, I listened. Have you, how many podcasts have you done? In the past few weeks? (laughs) Oh, have you been doing a lot? Well, just a few here and there and, you know, some other stuff. I mean, it's been awesome. This whole CrossFit is so cool, right? I'm really supporting this blindness awareness month. I mean, and you, I mean, you're one of them. Yeah. So just some cool, cool stuff that's been going on. And yeah, I mean, since I started competing in CrossFit, just some different podcasts here and there and telling my story and trying to hopefully get other people that are adaptive or have vision loss to kind of join in and just kind of bring awareness to the normal able-bodied world. Um, you're, you're very attractive. Did you know that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it'd be really awful if God made me blind and ugly. So right, 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 <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Hey, um, I want to, I want to, I want to tell you one more thing uh, before we start. Um, K- there's a gentleman who runs the back end of the show, and his name's Caleb. 
And by the back end of the show, if we're talking about, let's say your Instagram account or something mm -hmm. on there, he brings up pictures and stuff. So oh. not only will the people be watching us, but as we reference things in your life or, or something, he, he'll be going through your Instagram and pulling up pictures and references so that people can see that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm trying, I was, I was in the shower this morning and I'm trying to think if I've ever spoken to anyone who navigates the the planet without sight and I, I i can't think of one yeah most people and that's and with you know crossfit which is wonderful having this vision division and them saying things like oh we need to get the numbers for the vision division up well in all honesty there's not that many blind people <laughs> yeah how many how many caleb how many blind people are there in the united states Ooh. He, he's gonna he's gonna look now do you do you have a guess at that it's interesting because if you look up like on the world health association right there is let's say i don't know something million people in the world that are blind or legally blind and there's a huge difference because you know i've been legally blind in my life and then I've been blind and there is like, it's, well, it's like night and day, literally. <laughs> and like people that are legally blind, I'm like, you can still totally see, but, um, yeah, yeah. but most people don't become blind until either they're over 65 or they live in a third world country and could easily have their vision fixed by a cataract surgery or something. So there is, there's a lot of visually impaired people out there, but totally blind. I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know any. I'm going to read, I'm going to read this to you off of some website Caleb pulled off. Uh, more than 12 million Americans over the age of 40 have some sort of visual impairment. Okay. Forget those people with 1.3 <laughs> million legally blind. All right. Forget those people. 3 million who have vision loss after a correction, 8 million who have an uncorrected refractive error. Uh, uh, I don't see anything with totally blind. So I'm the only one. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, here, here's why it's absolutely so fucking fascinating to me. My, my wife did this course. It's a Vipassana course. Well, first of all, I believe that we're just all mirrors here. There is no you're given the name Kim and then you're given the um, incredible task of keeping that character kind of sane and intact as it changes second to second until the day you die and the illusion's over. It's just this arbitrary thing given to us. And we're just trying to fucking navigate this thing and keep this character together that our parents have named. Yeah. And our name kind of holds that together. And um, it, it, my wife did this Vipassana course uh, several times where you go somewhere and you're not allowed, you're not allowed to talk to anyone or make eye contact with anyone for 10 days. It's a oh, silent, yeah. it's, it's a silent meditation retreat. How do you, it, it that would fucking rock most people. Most, uh, most people could not even fathom doing that. And yet you live in this world. If I'm understanding it correctly, like you can't even, how do you know, like how to read my gestures and stuff? How do you know if like I'm joking or being sarcastic or I'm flirting with you or if I'm angry at you? Like, 
all those things are just out the door for you? Well, it's just voice inflection and physical touch. But yeah, 90% of our communication is nonverbal. And so it is hard. Like, you know, I'll be somewhere and all of a sudden everyone starts laughing. You're like, what the hell is happening? Or, you know, everyone starts cheering and you're like, was that my kid that made a goal? (laughs) if you don't kind of laugh about it it can be it can be devastating but you know i i I like to talk i like to talk to people and yeah you just kind of have to yeah I, i read people right you sense people and just go by language really it, um, and everyone must have like a thousand questions for you, but um, probably none of them come come out. You know, it's the difference between it's like the guy sitting at the beach with one leg. My kids will go over and talk to him. They got questions, but all the adults kind of avoid it. Yeah, you're you're so spot on. You, it's that is that is how I lived and still live in like normal society before I became this CrossFit athlete. And it's just such a difference because, you know, now because of competing in CrossFit and having this CrossFit community, people will ask, but out in the real world, I feel that avoidance all the time. And I want to say to people, I know you're there. I know you're there. (laughs) Like, because I, because I have a guide dog so people then know I can't see and you feel them avoiding you. And I'm like, I'm actually really pleasant if you just take a minute. And then people, I love it then. And it is true. Then kids will come up and ask a ton of questions. And I'm like, yeah, you're awesome, kid. You know, it's fine to ask people. Just don't be an idiot about it. Right. Like, just ask don't be like, oh, did you lose your leg in in the war? And they're like twenty years old. <laughs> you know, like, but. it's it's incom it's incomprehensible. It, it, and it's it's even it's even it's it's even more fascinating the insights that I hope we can get into because you used to be able to see. Yes. So when you talk, right? Like I can see you, even though I have no idea what you look like, and I can see when you speak, like what gestures you would be making or facial expressions, because I have seen it, which I think that is such a blessing in still having memory. And my brain is like all the time. I mean, it's always going and piecing things together. I mean, even as I move, like, I feel like I can actually see my hands moving, but I know I can't see my hands at all. Um, I, I can't, I don't look at you. If you, if I wouldn't have known, let's say you came on this show and I was just talking to you about PR, let's say I was just talking to you about your training. I would have no idea that you can't see, like, as I'm staring at you intently right now and like all your eyes just do normal shit. Like they're blinking, like your face, like when you smile, it does all the mm-hmm. smile. Like you just have a completely, your face does not um, say, Hey, I can't see. Well, if you watched me walk down a hall and smack right into the door frame, right. then you would know. But I, and that's actually something I really try to even work on because I have noticed as I, 
Because when, especially when I was a kid, I did know because I had to take classes to learn how to read Braille and cane travel because of my imminent doom. And um, there was a kid in my class that was way, 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 way more blind. He was probably almost considered totally blind. And he could not read social cues. And even as a little kid, I thought like, ooh, ooh, buddy, like, don't do that. Like people, like he couldn't understand that. You know, when you get excited, you want to like jump up and down, but you don't actually jump up and down because that's not socially acceptable. And he, he would because he was excited, right? And so I've said my whole life, like, you will not do that stuff. And I noticed I do have to practice because I have started getting what I, it's called, well, I think it's called the like blind upward gaze because I still have some light perception. So I feel like my eyes wander. Oh yeah. The sky. I have seen that. Like I, I have seen that when I've just like seen like blind people, like at a cafe or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to focus on like then where your voice is or what I'm actually trying to look at, but people are sneaky too. I'll be talking to them and I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden I hear their voice like next to me over there. I'm like, damn it. A lot of times, you know, <clears throat> my husband will be like, um, who are you talking to? And I'm like, Oh, Katie. He's like, uh, she walked away like three minutes ago. I'm like myself. Like talking to myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I try to be conscious of, I don't know, it sounds so, I don't know, not do blind things. <laughs> right, right. It, um, so that, and is that a, is that a, is that a good thing that you do that? I think so. I mean, yeah. for me, it is just. You're trying to be a good actor. I don't mean that. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to participate. You're trying to participate in, in in the normal social cues and milieu of society. And there are some things that I have realized, like not. I'm no longer. The difference is, is I'm not embarrassed of it anymore. Like now, I'm not embarrassed that when I walk down a hallway, I'll skim my finger along the wall so I can keep track of the wall where. In my younger days, I would not, I would try not to do that at all. And then I'd end up hurting myself. And I was so conscious of like, oh my God, people are watching me. And obviously I still have those moments of people that don't know I can't see. And then they do notice me just turn and smack into a wall or something. But I try, if I do things that are going to help me navigate this world or if I do talk to somebody that walked away three minutes ago I at least try not to be embarrassed inside about it I just think like "Eh, whatever like that's my new attitude when you met your husband could you see um yeah I mean I could see him to yeah, to a point, yes. I do know what, same as myself, we are forever young. <laughs> like, I still have a really vivid picture of him before we were even married and we would go sit at 
the Togo sandwich shop. And I have a, I don't know, forever picture of him in my brain wearing his cool sunglasses and his button down shirt. And what did you order at Togo's? I had, I had a, uh, I can't remember what number it was, but my mom used to take me. I would get the turkey and avocado. Yeah. I'd always do the turkey and cheese. You know, simple. And I would always get the foot long, even though I was a little kid, I'd always get the big one. <laughs> God, that was such a special treat. I haven't heard anyone mention Togo's in 30 years. I know. I, that place is, well, it was great. Okay. So uh, are, are your parents still alive? They are. Yep. They live in San Ramon. So. Okay. So, so at five years old, when you're diagnosed with this uh, degenerative uh, issue with your retina, do you, do your parents tell you? You know, I don't know. I don't remember, but I remember very, very vividly going to all the eye doctor's appointments and listening to my parents talk to my doctors. So, no, actually, nobody in my entire life, and this has sat me down as a parent or a teacher or a counselor, no one ever sat me down and said, this is what is happening to you. Uh, this may be the prognosis and we're going to get through it together. No one ever did that. It was all just, I knew because I'd listened to them talking to doctors and listening to them talk about me in front of me. Do you, do you remember an age where did it ever hit you like a ton of bricks? Like you're sitting there at 12 years old, you're just brushing your teeth. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh fuck one day, I'm not going to be able to see. Yeah. That was like my entire young person life. It probably was about 12. Yeah. That <clears throat> like 11 and 12 that it started like becoming, yeah, like teenager years, right? Like this, emotional it's so emotionally daunting and even through college of realizing okay my dream of being a professional dancer down in LA is never going to happen because what vision I had left it's like the more the less you have to lose the more important those little tiny pieces that are disappearing are. And I started noticing more and more that I would like avoid situations to kind of hide that I was losing more and more vision. Um, but yeah, and that's like the biggest part I think about vision loss <clears throat> is that it's not like, the guy on the beach with one leg that got in a car accident, lost his leg one day and boom, you know, he's just learning. It, it sucks for sure. But now you're learning to live with one leg. And from the age of five, it's like, okay, I'm learning to live like this. Now, five years later, now you're learning to live like this. And now you're learning to live like this. Oh, and now you can't read your textbooks anymore. Okay, and now you can't see the stop signs anymore. And it's like this constant reminder of like, whoa, someday I'm not going to be able to see my face in the mirror. And 
that's going to be really, really terrible. But I think things are changing. But when I was growing up, there was never that mental health element of saying like someone saying, yes, Kim, but you'll be great. There's there's we'll describe the world to you. It was really mentally difficult, to say the least. I, I, I want to say that I either heard in, in, in a podcast I listened to yesterday that you did or I read on your Instagram that it was basically a, a really long morning yeah. uh, process. It's just like constant mourning. For, yeah. And, and I mean, not to get too Debbie no. down because I was a happy kid. I, I was. And that's part of my – it's just my natural personality. I'm a super optimist. And, but I remember like as a kid thinking like, just get it over with, like, can't we just get this over with? But then of course I didn't want that to happen at all because I liked being able to see, but it was such a, it's so plaguing. Um, Were you ever in denial? No, I was never in denial because I saw other, because like I said, I had to work with other kids learning how to learn to be blind. <laughs> Which that's, I mean, that's a whole nother element of like, it's these, I, I look back now, right? As a kid, I didn't know any difference, but it's, you know, sighted people who are very highly educated, which is fantastic, teaching me skills of how to be blind, which have come in really handy, like braille, cane travel, things like that. But nobody understood what it actually was to be blind. So they didn't teach you how to be like, blind they taught you like tricks which is good but I was never in denial because I worked with other kids who were totally in denial and it just drove me like crazy because then they were angry all the time and they were mean to those teachers don't help me I don't need any help I'm like dude they're bringing us to Taco Bell and all we have to do is ask for a braille menu like don't be such a turd like I never I, I just I never was like that I guess I, I knew it was coming what, <laughs> I could what see was it the, right in front of my face yeah what did that mean right there when you said you were never taught to be blind they taught you the tricks what's the distinction oh like I was taught to read skills right like like learning language I was taught to read Braille, I was taught how to Braille label my kitchen appliances. I was taught tricks of like cooking or um, navigating, listening to intersections and things like that. But nobody being, which I don't think you can understand until it happens to you. So like, Nobody could understand what it is actually. No one taught me like to navigate this world totally blind with nothing where, and that's like I've said, it's more of a a mental thing. Nobody taught me exercises of like, okay, like in this situation, when you are absolutely terrified, like this is a coping technique or it it just is something I didn't expect when I 
did become totally blind, how unfathomably different it is to be visually impaired compared to not being able to see at all. Mm. Uh, someone in the comments wrote this just now. The show's live. <laughs> uh, and uh, as a general miserable person who has really no problems in life, I'm fascinated by people who have been given challenges and overcome them and just make the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and what other choice? I mean, I do have a choice. I could lay in bed all day and just collect my disability check and be a miserable person. And, and I do like every so often I'll, like pop into a Facebook blind group. And that's a lot of what's going on. And I want to like shake them and say like, there's a world out there. Like go listen to some birds singing or, I mean, I do have a choice. I could sit around and do nothing. And that's kind of where I was headed in a sense. Uh, Well, no, I still have a job and everything, but before this, world of crossfit but i mean there's there's stuff to do man i have like you know <laughs> help help me with that second so i think i think when people um uh, a lot of people like uh matt Souza, the executive producer of the show he just went to rome mm-hmm. and he went to rome to like look at the coliseum and so i think a lot of people are driven oh i'm going to go to the grand canyon because i want to look at the grand canyon yeah um uh there's a whole swath of society that's like, hey, I want to look at porn. There's yeah. just like everyone's just driven by shit that they want to look at, right? I want I want to go to uh, the nursery and and look at plants. I, I wonder how different your what I wonder what the catalysts are that drive you to want to do things to keep if if it's not to go out and just look at shit. That's, that stuff is actually challenging for me. That's like. Like I said, like my brain, it's like a world of self-talk all in here because someone would say something like, let's go to Rome. And my first instinct is to be like, for me, like, why? Like, yeah. what's the point? You could yeah. put me outside right now and say, here's Rome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, I mean, wow. it's real what you're saying. Yeah. Wow, it's beautiful. But I try now to remember, um, like, uh, maybe it's five years ago. We, my husband really wanted to go to New York city and I totally pulled that. What's the point? I can't see it like that. I've never been. And, but if we went and I, I loved it so much that I do remember. I stood in the nasty subway uh, tunnel, like crying saying, God, I wish I had been brought here when I could see, but, you know, especially my husband, because obviously he knows better than anybody. And I've learned once again to not be shameful of being blind. Like, I mean, we just would walk straight up to the late naked ladies in on the street that are all painted. And my husband would say like, my wife can't see, can she like, you know, touch your boob. (laughs) And just trying to be okay with navigating things differently, like going to enjoy the sound and 
just the experience overall. But yeah, I mean, it is still hard for me to think I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon and stand there. That's cool. (laughs) So when you get up in the morning, what, what, um, what, what motivates you? So like, I might get up in the morning and look over and see that the laundry's full. And I see that. Then I look over and I see my kids and I'll be like, Oh, the blankets are off them. So I go pull the blankets on them. And then I go over and I, and I, and I open my computer and I, and I see my email. Like I'm just driven like a fly that flies from one pile of shit to another by, by my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's driving, like I, you wake up in the, like, do you wake up in the morning? The first thing you do is put your hand on your husband. Yeah. 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 I mean, and because I would just look over, right. I just look yeah. over and like, yep, there's my wife. She's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tactile. And then just like, I guess it's just the routine of life. I wake up, I know what I have to do that day. I know because I also like my kids always joke, but they're not even joking. They say like, my mom is blonde and she can find anything like they drop their shoes somewhere or they're like, I can't find my shoes. And I'm like, they're under the coffee table (laughs) because, you know, maybe somewhere along the night before I sat down on the couch and my foot touched a shoe. I don't know. All these things get like logged into my brain all the time so like you look over and see that the laundry's full I just know it's full and I know that that has to be done I know yes I I always touch things right like I go into my kids rooms to wake them up and I feel for a leg and then feel for a head um it's all just very tactile but it's very routine like I wake up in the morning. I know I'm going to the gym. I know I'm coming home. I know I'm making lunches. And it's all just a very methodical way of living. But it's not like, I think a lot of people think that my life is super organized and that like my kids are perfect and put things away and we have places for everything. Like, no, I mean, we live in normal family chaos and I'm just, feeling around a lot all the time but in my my own routine way that you might not even notice if you're watching me right the box jumps are a good example of that Mm -hmm. uh there was a fascinating uh caleb just showed a box jump video where like everything looks just like a normal person doing a box jump well like a high level person doing a box jump but there's a subtle touch Uh, Mm -hmm. you come down you touch it you go do the burpee, then you touch the box on the way up. And so there's this touch every time. And and so, like, if I were to, if I were to walk into the gym and there was to be a box there, I would literally, you know, obviously, I'd literally walk and just fall right over that box. I would trip right over it, hurt myself. But if you put the box in front of me and I touch it and I feel the height of the box, I feel the width of the box and I can actually make it any color I want in my brain. But if you tell me the box is bright green, all of a sudden the box is there and it's bright green. And so it is a little piece of your brain 
filling it in and almost making it, it makes it real. So then it's, you know, people say like, oh, it's so terrifying. And I'm like, well, but it's not because it's there. Unless you come and swoop that box out from under me, like while I'm burping, like I know it's there and I trust my skills because I've learned like, and I just, you know, you just go for it. You got to trust yourself. And that's a box jump is actually easier for me to do than navigate to the bathroom at the gym by myself. You know, like there's way less obstacle and unknowns because this is a routine. This is here and it is tangible and I know I can do it. Um, so, so at the age of 12, they tell you that you'll be, you'll be completely blind by the time you're 18. Yeah. And when you mentioned in this interview that you, you were diagnosed with lupus and, and, and something else, what else were you diagnosed with? So lupus with the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. And then I was diagnosed with <clears throat> uh, autoimmune hepatitis, but I think it's all really a conglomerate of just a messed up autoimmune system. And, and, and how old were you when you were diagnosed with that? 24. Okay, and at 24, you could still, at 18, you could still see a little bit. You could see contrast and something. Yeah, I could still see. I mean, I got through college being able to read large print and in certain circumstances, right? That also depended on the lighting in the room. But yeah, I could still see well, well enough to get by. And when you were were diagnosed with lupus, what was your response? Fuck. Fair, fair, fair. It was, it was like, I, when it happened and when it was in the, the, the depths of it, I thought like, God, I thought being blind sucked. This sucks way, way, way worse. Like, because at least, I don't know. Why did, does it hurt? Is it painful? Like what what were the symptoms? It was excruciating all the time, all the time. And I am a really tough person. And it was like, I couldn't bend my fingers more than like this. Like I couldn't make a fist. I couldn't straighten my arms. I couldn't, I'd wake up screaming in the night because I would try to bend my knee in my sleep. Um, It felt like when I step off of, get out of bed. I couldn't walk without shoes on or else it felt like hot coals were like ripping through my feet. And then, and then I like this, my circulation, I mean, and some of it, I mean, maybe even right now, some of it is still there where my hands, if I get like the temperature's weird, I, my hands would turn like black dead. And then they put you on all these medications like I was on chemo and autoimmune suppressants and I don't know thyroid anything they really wanted to throw at me because I didn't know any better I just took it and then I couldn't tell the difference between like symptoms and side effects because then I was Mm. throwing up all the time then I had ulcers in my mouth then I had like it was the worst. how long did this go on for years how many years? Four years. 
So, so does it creep on slowly? You, you're like, man, this, like my arm feels tight. This doesn't feel right. And ow, this hurts. And then all of every day got incrementally worse. And then you went to the doctor and then they're like, Hey, you have lupus arthritis and this mm-hmm. other thing. And then, and then you're like, okay. And then they just put, put have you met your husband at this point in your life? Yes. He was yeah, okay. actually the only one when it first started, he, he wasn't my husband. We were just friends, <laughs> but, um, when it, and he was actually the only one that would, because at that point, I was still, before it all started, well, at that point, I was still working for a, um, a dance company. I was a choreographer. I was still working as a dancer and living as a dancer. And boom, overnight, I literally went from being able to do backflips to I'd have to turn sideways to step off of the curb or else my knees would buckle and I'd fall. Wow. And I went wow. from weighing like 130 pounds to like 105 pounds in a matter of like a month. Why? Because eating, eating sucked also? Eating was too, too hard? That and I don't, I don't know. It's, well, I started losing muscle fast and I don't know. It just it just changed my body so much. But my husband was the only one, my only friend that would have me stand up on a stool and he'd hold my hands and say, jump. And I would jump and I'd fall and he'd say, you have to keep up some sort of strength to do it again. And he would have me do that over and over. And literally like when we started dating, I do remember even thinking like, what is this guy seeing this blind crippled person that I am? And then, I mean, he truly is the definition of in sickness and in health because he has just been like the catalyst for everything in my life, both super healthy, like I am now and super, super sick. Like I was then and so Do you know the relief all the people feel around you that you took control of your life do you know the stress you took off of your husband and and your uh in your family I know, I know that's pretty selfish to say that but yeah. but you were fucking a stress you you were stressing people out you were you, you people loved you and you were you were like an anchor in people's lives and now you flipped it you completely flipped the script it's crazy mm-hmm. I, I i really i it's so hard. I, I know it's so selfish to say, but it's so hard on people when you like someone and you see them suffering. I know you're gonna be like, yeah. well, "Fuck you, Sevon, shut up." She was the one who was suffering. Sorry. I mean, I, there's two sides. No, to it. it is. It's very true. I mean, even now, especially as a parent, right? Like when people tell me they're, you know, because I'm obviously really deep in this adaptive community. And I learn people's stories. And usually the first thing I say is like, oh, your poor parents yeah. <laughs> or your poor husband. Like yeah. they, I mean, even my husband, when, you know, when I had to have that emergency surgery because of my liver, because my immune system decided it didn't 
Need. Oh wait, wait! Before you go there, let's talk. Let, let me build okay. build the, the group up there. Okay, so for because this is a crazy part of the story. I cannot believe I'm staring at this person that you're just you're describing a person, and I just don't see any sign of her in front of me right now. No. But, okay, so so you're so you're basically on your way to being completely blind. You get diagnosed with lupus. There's a mm-hmm. dude in your life who's like helping you. Um, you, you you're in excruciating pain, and they start putting sh- giving you shitloads of medications. Yes. And then take me to like the, the end of that as, as you're just bombarded by medication. Were you hating that, the medications? God, you're, and your, was your self-esteem just fucked? Yeah, because I was in my freaking 20s. Yeah. So, I mean, I went from like, woo, woo, partying, dancing on the bars in downtown San Jose to like, well, all my friends are. To crippled crazy. girl. To crippled girl. Yes. And like, I would still try to kind of keep up, but I couldn't even like walk and then I'd try and then I'd be in my brain the whole time and then I'm on chemo and everyone's like let's drink and I'm like I don't know if that's a good idea for me yeah it just it's like it well it became like old like I became so aged and it was so bad and so then um my husband Adam and I did end up together and um he his parents must have thought he was crazy his parents must have been like dude what are you doing like get a new dog why did you go to the kennel and get this fucking like this this is a this dog has one leg and it has one year to live like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) they did and but they live on the east coast so they only like heard more than seen and you know they were very skeptical but then i you know obviously became their favorite but um obviously um but we went to the doctors one day this is and the doctor said to me well the chemo is destroying your organs they said something like that so we're going to take you off of it for a little while I'm like mm, great and they're like well you might start feeling crappy again I'm like I've never felt good like it never did anything I still my fingers would still one would swell up to be like a monster finger and the other one would be like black and shrivelly. like it never did anything to help anything so we left the doctors that day and I said to Adam as we were walking to the parking lot like I can't live like this anymore I can't do this and are you crying when you say that um no but I wanted I felt it right and I thought like I can't jump off a bridge I would need someone to drive me there and probably wouldn't <laughs> like but I I can't I just couldn't do it and his exact words were okay then let's figure it out and he so wait so so when you left the doctor's office that day they pulled you off all your medication cold turkey yep this is such a fucking weird world we live in, people. Listen to this. There's a million fucking lessons in that. Go well, on. Sorry lessons, to interrupt. Yeah, yeah and the lessons nuts. get bigger because then he – so we made my next appointment for like three months or something like that. And he said – Adam said, okay, let's let's change this. And so he came to me the next day, and he said, you're going on a totally gluten-free diet – we're going to cleanse like all the shit out of your body. 
and you are going to eat completely clean, as clean as possible. And what year is this? This is this is uh, like uh, 50, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Do you know what year this is? This is I was about 25. Like, yeah, about 15 years ago now. OK, about OK, no, maybe a little less, but somewhere in there. OK, maybe 2010, 2009. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And um, so I went on a totally gluten free diet, which is much harder in the sense that you think like people say like, oh, you take out like bread and pasta. No, freaking gluten isn't everything. And that's why it is the world's poison, because they put that shit in everything. There's like Gatorades that have gluten in it, like certain Gatorades and sauces. And you can't go to a restaurant without them poisoning it, your salad somehow. But um, anyway, we got, and within two months of totally clearing out my body, being like really great about my diet, I found myself, yes, crying as I ran on a treadmill because I never thought I would ever, ever, ever be able to do that again. Where was and that treadmill? At my, we lived in a condo at the time and there was a gym there and I hadn't been in that gym in so long. And one day I came home and I was like, you know, I'm going to try this. And I did it. You, did you do that by, did you go down there by yourself? Yeah. That oh yeah. You got a little crazy in you. You're a fucking rebel. And then we went wow. back. Then we went back to the doctors and we said, like, look, look, I can bend my knees. <laughs> like, I can squat. I can step off the curb. I can do stuff. Like I'm on my way. And she said, mm. and we told her what I was doing. And she said, no, no, that's not proven. We're going to get you back on this different chemotherapy drug. And I did not have balls back then. No, no, I still Holy did not. Shit. It was my husband that said, no, we'll be taking her medical records and leaving then. Because they wouldn't even listen. There's no, there's no negotiation. It was their way. It was drugs or not. Like, it, that was it. They're like, no. What, what did your diet look like in those two months? What did you eat? Just meat like and vegetables basically you know just so basically nothing that man made you you went back to just eating shit that the planet's throwing at us yeah oh, and i felt so great and i felt great it was better, better than you would like back to the old days great what were some of the things that were still bothering you um i do still have an uh circulation issues like um so I'm really prone to temperature changes and stress. Like to me, cold is six, 70 degrees. <laughs> like oh, damn. Five degrees. Like, okay. and I, I get really, really cold. And so then I have to like take a super hot shower <laughs> or something and stress will make me get really cold and then my hands will still turn like purplish. Like people say to me a lot, like I don't, obviously I can't tell. 
people come up and say like, oh, were you painting? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like your hands are purple. I'm like, oh no, that's normal. <laughs> so I still deal with some of that, which then causes pain. And, but I, I mean, it's just nothing compared. It's just nothing compared to how we used to live. It's just whatever. So, so you get off on this, you get off the meds, you change your whole diet. Um, you're able to start, uh, doing stuff. You get on treadmill and then, and then is that when you come across CrossFit? When do you come across CrossFit? So then, um, I, I lived my wife. I, my kids. Blah, Wait, blah, blah. so you 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 had ki- during that that four years when you were on all those drugs, you got pregnant. With Cooper was after right after the how's this timeline? Right after the drugs, and then and then Easton was when I was my healthiest. So so you didn't get pregnant until you got off all your drugs. Yeah. Um and um. Was that scary? Like, did you look at your husband and were you like, dude, I'm fucking blind. What do you mean you want to have kids? No. <laughs> you, you, were, you were up for the challenge. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I can do this. It's crazy because my wife is completely abled and she was scared shitless to have kids. And I didn't blame her. I mean, she wanted to have one, but then the thought of two scared the shit out of her. She's like, we can barely do one. How are we going to do two? Well, it's not the, <clears throat> and this is the, tar- like, it's not me in that sense. It's, you know, when I had our son, <clears throat> right after having this baby, um, you know, no matter what, as a new parent, you're terrified. You know, social workers, when Adam had left the room, so like, I don't, whatever, I don't know where he had to go, maybe to the circumcision or something fun. Um, social workers came into my room and like interrogated me that, I couldn't possibly raise a child. Shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? That was in the hospital? Yes. Like literally the next day after having a baby. It was like, what the fuck? Like, it is so... People don't... If her husband would have come in there, he would have fucking kicked your teeth in. Don't do that to people's wives. You're fucking nuts. Yeah, they're like... I'll never... They're like, how... How will you know if your kid has a dirty diaper? I'm like, what? Like, it's just poop. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I know. Because I'll touch kid. his diaper or or I'll smell it or someone yeah. will tell me or yeah. Like I've made it this far on my own. I I know what I'm doing. Like, but it is so I mean, you're already, no matter what, sighted or not sighted, you're you're scared to death. You're scared to death that you're checking that kid's breathing every two seconds. And it was just so, yeah. So they don't come in there and they're like, Oh, Kim, congratulations. Your boy's so beautiful. This is great. Um, we, we, we have a, uh, a, a Facebook group that has tons of moms who are blind and we'd love to direct you to it. And so that way, if you have any questions, um, you can get through it, but but you're going to kill this, Kim. If you have any hesitation or questions on what it's like raising a child blind, we're here for you. Here's our phone number. It wasn't that. No, it was like, yo, bitch, you're no. fucked. It was, how do you think you could possibly do this? And I'm like, there's people with no legs and no arms that raise kids. I think I'll be okay. Like, 
I, I, I think it's the most vile trait a human being can have is to and I've said this on my show endlessly to argue another human being's limitations for them. Like, do not do that. We do that to ourselves enough. We argue our own limitations. Yep. Yep. And that's really, really. Um, I don't know if, the, if I've ever said this on the show. Chaps my hive. Is that a phrase? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, Caleb just showed a beautiful video. I'm guessing it was your seeing eye dog and he's in the gym and you're doing burpees uh, jumping over uh, your son. Which is really cool. You oh, guys, yeah, are, yeah, you yeah. guys are taking turns. Um, do you realize what a beautiful mover you are? Do you feel that? Yeah, because I was a I was a dancer, right? Every yeah. Day. Like even when I learned how to do pistol squats, you know, my husband would be like, "Kim, they don't have to be pretty. You don't have to point your toe." But I'm like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> like, yeah, I think I'm. I'm probably still. You know, even when I start a workout, I'm still like five, six, seven, eight, go. <laughs> oh, wow. Serious. Still, I'm still such a dancer, right? It's yeah. Just, even in competition, one of the, I just remember, I think it was last year, um, somebody came up to me at Waterpalooza and said, you know, you're the only competitor on that stage that is smiling the whole time. And I'm like, isn't it a performance? Right, <laughs> right, right. Aren't we supposed to smile? How am I supposed to get sponsors if I don't smile? <laughs> okay, so 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 get off the meds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, super duper proactive husband, man. God bless him. Uh, that that's just so awesome. He did that. Do you know where he got that information at? Like, well, he's a chiropractor, so he's okay. You know. So he believes he, and and at its core chiropractor, he believes that, um, you, we can heal ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And then, so, uh, he's, he's probably really happy because he got to experiment. He saw that firsthand. He got to experiment with you. He starts, he changes up your whole diet within two and a half months. You're, you're, you're become able-bodied again. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and, and then you have your first baby and then doesn't somewhere you talk about some sort of liver failure or surgery can you, that then you went into and you come out and you're blind. Yeah. So, and that was pretty much, uh, so I lived well and good for a while, like years. And this is where I truly do think, or I know really that if I had kept up my same lifestyle, I would have ended up dead and they would have just said I died from lupus because lupus is just your immune system attacking your body and it can attack any part of your body. Um, so I went to this coffee shop and that I'd go to all the time and they were known for their gluten-free stuff. Do you, and- have, do you have a seen eye dog at that time or a cane or anything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but okay. then I'm, I have my guide dog citrus. And so um, I ordered a gluten-free croissant that they had made and then I eat it. And then later that day I went back there to like get a coffee and somebody said like, Oh, I heard you had a cheat day today. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, Oh yeah. Someone said you got a croissant or whatever. And I said like, no, they, they told me that was gluten-free and like, Oh no, no. I'm like, Oh, So I figured that 
I would swell up, that my joints would hurt, that I'd have to like detox everything. And no, within a week, I, Adam, we woke up and he's like, holy shit, you are jaundice. And he's like, uh, yeah, we're going to the hospital. So I was like total yellow as and my eyes were even like almost my were like green and I looked like a zombie. And I had thrown up like and had some like pain in my side, but I just I don't know, I just ignored it for a little bit. <laughs> and then yes, and then I woke up jaundice. We went to we got an appointment super quick with my general physician. I walked into her office and she was like, holy shit. Um, we're sending you straight over to the hospital. So they do some tests and then I never, uh, I didn't ever go back. No, I did I go back home? Oh yeah, I did go back home, had some tests done and some other tests. Then I got a call to go back to the doctors and then I had a procedure done where they like go down a scope down into your gallbladder and see if you have gallstones, blah, blah, blah. I came out of that and then I just remember being so surreal while like it's like being a kid again with the blind, like sitting on the table and my doctor and Adam talking and I mean, they were talking to me too, but I was just so zoned because the doctor was saying, if she doesn't get a liver transplant within two weeks, she'll be dead. And you're like, but Cooper has soccer games to do. And, you know, it's still like so unreal. And they said, yeah, my immune system had attacked my liver and I was in total liver failure. So that was weird because I felt okay. Like I could still walk and function. I felt like my side was like pregnant, but I, it just seemed weird to think like, how could I be dead? Cause I feel alive. Um, so I never left the hospital after that for like, few weeks. I went um, to, they wanted to do, you know, a bunch more tests. So I was in and out of things. And then, well, then it, then they did a liver biopsy. And when I got out of that biopsy, I was like, there's something wrong. Like I was freezing, like freezing, freezing. And, um, but they said all of this was normal. Um, then I they I had to. Oh, by the way, I was supposed to be having a like college reunion at my house that weekend. So I guess we decided we should probably cancel that. <laughs> and meanwhile, they wanted to do. Um, oh, I started throwing up blood, and so then they wanted to know why I was like bleeding internally. So they decided Kim, this, this whole time, are they searching for a liver? Yes, I was okay. still on some sort of list. 
Okay, but you're uh, in the ho- but you're in the hospital. You went all this stuff you're talking about now. You're in the hospital. They don't let you leave. Right. Okay. So you start throwing you you start throwing oh, up blood because I did go home actually somewhere oh. in there. I did go home and I ended up back at the hospital because I do. It's like so much things because I was in and out and in and out, and then I was Adam was at work and I was at home and I was on the floor and I was my friend had come over. And I was changing Easton's, my little guys. I was changing his diaper. And I remember looking at my friends and saying, something bad is about to happen. And so she took Easton and I like exorcismed. Like I was spewing blood. Like I couldn't stop throwing up blood. And so she calls Adam, of course. And you taste it. That's how you know it's blood. Oh, yeah. And my yeah. friend's screaming, right? Oh, right, like, right, right, and right. freaking out. Like, it looks like a murder scene. Yeah. And so Adam rushes home. We rush back to the hospital. Of course, they take me in right away. And then after that, every time like, I even tried to stand up, I would pass out because I was losing so much blood because it was coming out of all the ends. And so they decided – they. They decided um, that they wanted to do a colonoscopy and endoscopy to see if they could find where the blood was coming from. What's an endoscopy? What's that? They go down your mouth. Oh, okay. Tubing you from both ends. Right. They want to touch the cables. Yes. Okay. And oh my God, the hell of I had to drink the drink, the colonoscopy drink. Yeah. And then it was like, I mean. That just made everything way worse because then it was. That's to clean you out, right? You have to drink yeah, something. That's yeah, yeah. Like, like I really your... needed to be more cleaned out. Right, right. <laughs> and meanwhile, I was. How, how healthy are you at this? How much do you weigh at this point? Oh my! By the time I left the hospital, I weighed eighty nine pounds. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god! That must have scared the shit out of your husband. I was like a skeleton person. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but they. Uh, meanwhile, they're doing blood transfusions to try to keep up with what I was losing. And did an ambulance take you to the hospital? You're throwing up on the floor. Did no, you call? Did, Adam, did they call? Adam rushed me. He came home and brought me. And, and what's um, he do? What 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 was his vocation? What did he do for a living then? He's a chiropractor. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So he just cancels appointments for the day and then yeah. uh, comes home. Okay. Yeah. Said, so, "Oh my, my wife's dying. I'll be back." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and I'm a massage therapist and we work together. So, you know, our, our patients, you know, everyone knows our family. So everyone was super concerned anyway, because things had already been going on. Um, so then they, you know, they want to do this endoscopy, uh, colonoscopy. And so I, Go in for that. And I, this is the stuff that like still, mm, I don't know, like is trauma to my mind. Cause I remember going into it and my nurse, her name was Nestle because she was really nice. And I was face down. And, um, you know, when those tests, you're kind of in a fog like you're not asleep, but you're not awake. And um, I was laying there and all of a sudden I heard 
um, all these alarms going off. And I heard like these people yelling, like call Dr. Singer and call this other person and all these beepings. And it was like all crazy. And then Nestle, the nurse, <laughs> she like leans down and I guess I was totally crying. And she said like, um, are you in pain? And I just remember saying, no, I'm just really scared. And then that, that's all, that was all. And going back to, going back to like, who's really living it, you know, they had to go out and tell my husband, if we can't figure this out, your wife's going to die. So, I mean, I was out. <laughs> like you were, You were scared because. I could just hear terrible, something was bad. Something was really bad. It was no longer going to be a colonoscopy. Something was happening that wasn't right. And like you weren't going to, like you weren't going to see your kids again. Yeah. I had no idea. Like I was so, and I, I was aware of it. And that's the weirdest part too. Like, is you're aware that and once again, like you feel so alive, even though every your body is going bad, but you're like, but I'm fine, but I'm not fine. I don't know. It's just so mortality is so weird. It's so weird. Um, so then I woke up and I had a big hole in my side, <laughs> but I still had my own liver. If that's a a bonus. I still do have my own liver. I didn't end up having to get a donor, but I had um, a hole in my side and they had done what? surgeries and cauterized my liver. And wait, um, wait, 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 you, you, you were, how did they save your liver? If they said you were in total liver failure, what brought your liver back to life? A lot of drugs. That's when drugs came in, I guess, pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they, they, I mean, my liver, if you like the pictures, obviously like has scarring and stuff. Cause they did, I mean, I don't even quite understand what they did to be honest. Right. Like they said they cauterized things. They, but you're so like, I'm alive. Did anyone say, holy fuck, I can't believe you're alive. This is a fucking miracle. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people, even strangers, because even walking around after I looked like this skeleton zombie and they were like coming up. <laughs> people were like coming up and pulling on my clothes and like, oh, are you OK? You know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, people. Kim, so so you're you're having this. This complete fucking like you're going to die moment you're face down with, with Nestle. And then how long before you go, like, what's the, what's the, how many days before you leave the hospital and you go back home? Mm, I don't know. At least, sorry, at least a week or so, maybe more. And, and, and do they tell you, Hey, you're only going to live another month or like, Holy fuck. We stabilized you. Yeah. It was really, yeah, it was really weird because then there's all these different. Doctors. Maybe you're dead. Maybe you're dead. Maybe I am. And there's all these different stories. because Maybe we're not real. Like, this every, is such a crazy story. 
Well, I do think, you know, to be honest, I think because after that, I couldn't see anything. So then I've always thought, really? So you, what if everything's an illusion now? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, on a a serious note, I had this lady here named Kate. I had a, a, a lady on my show named Kayla Harrison. She was the, she's the greatest living fighter alive. She's the only American to, I think, to win the judo gold at the Olympics. And she did it twice. And her, her coach, sorry to bring in another heavy thing, but her coach from when she was eight to when she was 16 was molesting her. And she said that she would go away to a place. Yeah. And I, like, like for me, like, I don't understand what that, I, I don't, I never go away to a place. That's right. And, and do you, do you, do you go away to, since you can't see, can you just go away to a place? I do. That's actually been like, it's actually been a more recent thing. Like when I start feeling, let's say I am at like my kid's hockey game or something and everyone's cheering and I'm feeling like, fuck, this is so shitty. Like, what if that's my kid? Like now I, I'm like shameless and I will turn on an audio book for like 10 minutes and just go away to that place and get my head back into myself and remember like that I am here for my kid, not to see my kid, but I do. I just turn on a book and look, I'm in London now and I'm solving mysteries. So yes, that's my, my place is books. Um, I'm not talking cause I don't want to, I'm not talking cause I can't. I was thinking, I hope he's still there. <laughs> it's just crazy what you just said about your kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my kids, and it is something also that my husband has, has to, or does doesn't have to, that he reminds me and, He'll even say it, you know, to the kids, right? Like all that matters is that mama is here, right? You know, and so it's kind of them uh, giving me, what's the word? I don't know, like making me also feel validated that, okay, it's okay that, and I, I, you know, I stand at the ice and I, I look like I'm watching. <laughs> I, I stand there and I, I stare out at the nothing and I try to listen to like what's happening. But yeah, sometimes I even need that validation of as long as you're present, it, it doesn't matter. Like you are there. I mean, and that's really uh, probably a good lesson for anybody that as long as you show up, as long as you're there, like that's, that's what's important. I'm losing my shit. Okay, pull yourself together, Sebi. Fuck.
I just want to come in here and do a podcast, have fun. Instead, I'm fucking crying my fucking eyes out. I have a way with people. (laughs) It's so fucking selfless. It's so selfless what you do. Well, you know, I... I I think, like, my life, I've always wondered, like, I've never been, like, a why me person, per se, but I have wondered, like, why, or, you know, especially once I couldn't see at all, and then I'm like, great, so now my body is better, but now there's nothing left to see um I mean and I guess no matter what that was the long-term prognosis anyway but to have it like be like oh okay so now this this is this is real and always to feel like I mean I hated I, I lived just fine but I hated being blind or hated the idea that I was going to go blind who would like that nobody would like that anybody that says things like I would never trade being able to see for anything yes you would but I never thought that anything good would come out of being blind or going through um, the health issues I've gone through and but I've realized like especially well 100% now because my family Um, my husband and my kids and because of CrossFit especially this month I mean I've realized like how many times I've written now to people over the past week who've sent me oh my god talk about crying I find myself sobbling in my kitchen as I'm you know because my phone reads everything to me as I get a message from a mom saying I just found you on Instagram. My daughter was diagnosed with CVI, which is another eye condition, with CVI. uh, She's 18 months old, and I've been terrified since she was born of what will happen to her. And said, seeing you, I know that she is going to be just fine. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, there's something so good has come of this for me and to be able to naturally, because it is natural to me to be an optimist. I'm naturally good. I think at like writing and being open and honest with people about life and sharing my story. And because of the health issues with my liver, with my joints, that I still, you know, who knows, right? Like, I mean, what if I accidentally eat something or what if it's something else and my immune system decides next week that it wants to attack my heart or my brain? Like, it's just very like, who knows? And to be able to now know that like that something good has come of everything, like it just empowers me a lot to like just keep pushing and keep trying because I, I really wish there was a way I'm sure there is, but I'm technologically inept to like 
put together all of these messages that I've been getting from people all around the world saying, like, your story has helped me cope with my child's diagnosis or with my own diagnosis or with just getting out of bed because I'm lazy, whatever it is. Like, it's really, it's so rewarding. And that my kid who is now in high school, which is super weird. Super weird. Says to me, mama, you can be a speaker at my school. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I didn't want my mom anywhere near my school. When right, I was right. And then right. he was like, the other day he came home, or no, we were at the gym. He, him and I were at the gym together. And, you know, I'm just next to him and kind of trying to make sure he's doing okay. You know, we're really good at communicating. Like, Cooper, tell, just yell to me when you're done with your kettlebell swings and that you're moving on to your push-ups. Just keep me up to date on you know, what you're doing. And then he comes up and goes, mama, my friends found your Instagram. And I'm thinking, did they find it? Or did someone help them find it? (laughs) Oh, he's so so proud of you. I know. And that makes it so, well, makes it all, I don't know. It's just, life's crazy. (laughs) as long as as you live it kim um so so you get you get out of the hospital you go home the healing begins i'm guessing you double down on this on this diet you 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 tell yourself okay i I heard you say on another um uh show you you would there's no fucking way you'd ever put a ritz cracker in your mouth like no fucking way yeah nothing it would never i couldn't even come close. And then I did like more allergy testing to see what else I probably shouldn't be putting in my face. Yeah. And and just being really good and shit. I mean, now of course competing in CrossFit, that's, it's probably the best thing anyway, because who needs your, if your husband would have been a Harvard medical school graduate, you'd be dead. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You'd be fucking dead. Uh-huh. If your dad, if your husband wasn't some sort of weirdo chiropractor, you'd be fucking dead. Uh huh. Because I think because I did go into liver failure one other time after going to this restaurant, but it was far less dramatic. So it, it was just cured in a sense by heavy, heavy, disgusting meds and, and stuff for a little bit. But and at this uh, time, you're still embarrassed that you're a blind person. Yeah, I'm in your super life, embarrassed that I'm a blind person at this point. Because this isn't that a it's such a trip. Uh huh. It really okay. So we're all embarrassed that we're even fucking people. It's so weird. I know, isn't it? I tell, yeah, we're born. Here you go. Here's embarrassment. I don't even know what that is. I I look when whenever I feel embarrassment coming on, like you know, like you drop your phone in a public setting. I try to really focus, like live in the present in those moments and watch that Mm -hmm. embarrassment like a fucking hawk. I want to murder it. The embarrassment comes from, I mean, I experienced this, you know, because there's always trolls on the internet, right? And some people were saying jerky things about the blind people should never do box jumps. And, you know, my friends are saying, get off the comments, Kim, get off. Because I'm like, someone pulled my fingers back from getting on that keyboard. <laughs> but then I had realized, well, you know, you know, you're doing good if you got haters, right? Like, Yeah, you are. But well, that like, is really see? truth. You have to see that. You are you're because basically you're making them uncomfortable and they're uh-huh. reacting. 
They're reacting so, to but their it's complaints. Those, so it's the people like that social worker that came in and said, you can't raise a baby. And it was the lady when I went, I had already gotten my four year degree and I decided to go to massage school. And the president of that school, like when I went to orientation and I asked something about like a carpooling program because I couldn't drive because I was visually impaired. And she told me like, well, maybe, maybe school's going to be too hard for you. Oh my God. And I'm like, F you lady. I have a higher education than you do. I'm sure. And she was like, what? You went to college? You know, and it's those voices. And that's what I had to remind myself. It's those like, why can a million people say you can do it? You're amazing. And then like 30 people tell you you're an idiot and you're like, Oh, so it's like, well, Hey, don't, don't feel special Kim because they do it to fucking everyone. Right. Right. And that's when you have to like realize like it's, it's that ignorance that is, you got to not let that destroy. Well, just let it empower you. Right. You're like, I can't do this. I'll show you. <laughs> right. Um, I can't go to school. Sign me up. Right. I mean, right. just, uh, someone just, uh, uh, Miss Pugface, that, that's one of the people in the comments, just said, tear ducts activated, a strong lady with amazing support system. Life can be as beautiful as we make it. And you know what's crazy? She lived up to her support system. That It's like she paid them back. All right? Okay, yeah. listen, guys. You're, okay, you're going to put some energy into me? Let me hold my beer. Yeah. This. And so my, at that, my husband had started going to CrossFit, and I was pretty like, uh bitter in a sense he says i was angry but hmm, i don't know his that <laughs> but you know he was living a life and he was going to crossfit he was playing softball he was playing hockey and i was like i used to be somebody too and now i'm nothing and i'm invisible because i can't see so now i'm not even a, i don't know i just became lost kind of and I'm still, you know, working and I have my kids, and did it, but I didn't feel, I don't know. I felt what year off. is this? What year is this that you're referencing? That he 2000 and around 17. Yeah. 2016. <laughs> yeah. Around and there. you tell, and you kind of express this to him like, Hey, you going to CrossFit. I wish I could go too, or I wish I had no. something or no. no, I just, <laughs> I just was like, I can't do anything. That's how I felt. There's, I can't do anything. And he was the one that one day came home and said, you're coming to the CrossFit gym with me. And I was like, no, I'm not. How long had he been going before he said that to you? He had been going, I think, for four years, maybe. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. I want, did you ever ask him why that day he decided? Uh, He said it was a plan. He had had a plan. (laughs) Good on him. I mean, you're his, you're his personal experiment. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. He's experimenting with you. I know. So he brought, I went crying. So I crying. And then when we got there, all of these people started walking in saying like, we heard, we heard that Kim was coming today. So we, we were here for her first day. And then I'm like, Oh my God, all these people. And they were so nice. And then, but I was like, I can't do this. I've never even, I, I was a ballerina. I'd never even seen a barbell in my life. And I'd never seen a barbell. I'd never seen a, anything CrossFit. 
And so I, I couldn't do it. Right. That was just what, there's no way I was going to break my face. I was going to hurt myself. I was going to die. It was going to be awful. And literally I wish, I wish I could remember, but I think the whole thing, I was like in shock the whole time. I wish I remember what my first workout was, but by the time I finished, I was like, Oh my God, I can do this. Like I can totally do this. And so I really, um, I started going like twice a week and then one day, I mean, I've told the story like a billion times. I, one of the days after class, I walked up to one of the coaches and I said, I, and I was still super shy about everything. And still, I wouldn't tell people, none of the members per se, unless other people told them that I couldn't see. I would never tell people because I just, I couldn't make the word blind come out of my mouth. Never. Wow. I couldn't do wow. it. And so, but I walked up to this coach and I said, I want to just say thank you for letting me be here and letting me do this. And he looked at me and he said, Kim, well, I don't feel sorry for you. So if this is what you want to do, I'm going to make it happen. How many and days I, had you been going before you said that? Like two weeks or so. Okay. Yeah. And I just was like, that's exactly what I've been wanting someone to say always that wasn't my husband right like somebody from the outside looking in like just don't feel sorry for me don't pity me just tell me you can do this and then I I don't know then it started <laughs> then I found adaptive well then my friend um so then I started going to the gym I started loving it I started figuring out that I could do things and I am very lucky that I was a dancer, right? So I've always had good body proprioception because it is very real that blindness affects your balance. And I have to be extremely aware all the time of what I'm doing. But anyway, it was when I went to my friend signed us up for a local um, partner competition and, you know, because it's really easy to sign up for things. And then when the day comes, you're like, oh, shit, I have to do that. <laughs> like, and, you know, I, I had my support system there and I still wasn't telling people I really couldn't see. And, you know, we would say to the judge before. We but they knew. Play. But everyone knows. Right. Like you're just in denial. Like everyone knows you can't see. But you're like, I'm fooling them. Kind of. I okay. mean, sometimes. And but then there's the time like during that competition, all of a sudden in between events, like total strangers were coming up to me saying like, holy shit, we just found out that you can't see and you're crushing it. And it was like this moment of me saying, yeah, I'm blind. And it was like, whoa, whoa. And, and then at the last event of that competition, it had, it did have burpee box overs and I was doing them. And at the end, my judge gave me a hug and he said like, you are so brave. And it really just like, cause I never thought of myself as 
any of that, but it just gave me the power in my own or the confidence or something. It changed me to be able to say like, I am blind and nobody's going to like put me down for it. Cause these people, this CrossFit community, they see that I'm blind and they don't tell me you can't do anything. Go sit over there in the corner. They're like, hell yes, you can do this. And then, you know, and then I found adaptive CrossFit. Then I started signing up for everything I could and it's just been nonstop action ever since. I, I, I did this show last night and we were looking at videos of people who were hating on CrossFit and it's so funny the kind of stuff that they hate on. They, they never mention the gym owners and they never mention the community. Like they just hate on like the CrossFit games or something. And yeah. It, which is like not even I think 1% of what CrossFit is. And it's um, – I mean you're just, you're just nailing it. You went in there and what a CrossFit gym is is a place where other people will believe in you. Yeah. And, and and there's something else that you said in this other podcast that I really liked. You I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you realize through your own humility that you give people an opportunity to help you. So you let people you've realized, oh shit, people want to help me. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a gift you're giving them because they all walk away feeling better about themselves for helping you. Yeah, and people um you Whatever know, help means, you know? Yeah. And adaptive people will reach out to me or other visually impaired people. They reach out to me and say like, oh, I do CrossFit. I work with my coach, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And I, I tell them, no, get into class. Be a member. Don't be separate from everybody else. Like, let other people see we're all different. And isn't that the best part about CrossFit? I mean, that's why, because I obviously I'm always trying to talk anybody into going to CrossFit is, yeah, I'm the only blind person at the gym, but then everyone's there for their own reason. Someone's trying to lose a hundred pounds. Someone's trying to, I don't know, rehab an injury. Someone's trying to compete. Someone's just trying to be able to drink beer on the weekends and not feel fat. You know, everyone's doing their own thing. And that's like the best part of it. I'm not this like this anomaly in the gym because we're all just there. And when people see that a disabled person or a blind, whatever is, it's not weird or scary. A person in a wheelchair isn't scary. The blind person isn't scary. I can be a human just like you. Then it makes everybody more comfortable and you can tell when somebody, um, I mean, I can feel it. I can feel the difference between if somebody wants to be helpful to then turn around and kind of brag, like I helped the blind person today, that shit. I, I don't like that. Like, don't use me to pat yourself on the back, <laughs> like to feel like you earned brownie points in society. Help me because you just want to, because I'm your friend, because it's natural, because we should all help each other. It, it shouldn't be. Um, and you, I can tell the difference. Like I can even tell when somebody's like kind of itching to ask, like, 
And so then I'll just say something like, hey, when you go over that way, could you pick me up some fives and two and a half plates? And then it's like, it's like you just, I can feel their energy change of like this new comfort. People will say that to you. Hey, Kim, when you go over there, will you grab me some fives? No, I'll say it to other people. Oh, oh. Oh I would God. do that shit to oh, you. Yeah. If I I'd worked like, out at a gym uh, with you, I would do that to you to fuck with you. I'd be like, you would, want a piece I'd of gum? And I'd throw a piece of gum I'd at you. Say, I'll get them for you. I'll be back in about 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 I'll make it there. I will. I mean, even the other day, because at our gym, we all pretty much have our own equipment. But the boxes, like box gym boxes, are all against the floor wall. And I was determined. I was putting away my box. And literally after probably five minutes of me like moving the box, kind of trying to walk to the wall to feel where to put it. Like one of my friends like, what on earth are you doing? I'm like, I've come this far. Leave me alone. (laughs) I can do this. (laughs) Do not take this from me now. (laughs) Okay. Tell me if I'm going in the right direction. (laughs) Uh, Kim. Um, I didn't even get to any of my questions. I had a, a ton of fun, uh, superficial questions. Um, we're, we're at 90 minutes and uh, we, we, we got to have you on again. I, I would talk to you for another hour and a half. I'm going to take my kid to tennis practice now. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go to the gym and do some partner workout apparently today. Uh, it, it's so, it's so you are just a, uh, an awesome bundle of light. I mean, you, you, uh, I don't know if I've ever told anyone, um, this on the podcast, but you've changed my life just talking to you for 90 minutes. And I, and I, and I, and I've had, I don't know, I've interviewed 600 people in the last year and thousands in my life. And I I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and let me, uh, let me poke at you. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And I, I really appreciate people like you that actually want to, you know, help change other people's lives and make a difference. So, and hey, you know, you know kids. stuff, you know, they stuff. Totally that the, hang out. Yeah. You know, know stuff that the world needs to hear, you know, stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, you have my, uh, phone number, text me anytime. Um, tell your husband, uh, thank you. He's a rock star. His experiment is turning out perfect. You're beautiful, <laughs> yeah. strong, and smart. And, uh, and thank you. I'll, um, I, I'm, yeah. I know our paths are going to cross. Awesome. We'll be in touch. All right, All right, girl. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, I, thought, I, I thought I was going to have to leave the room. <laughs> I, I couldn't even fucking breathe. I was losing my <laughs> shit. I was not going to be much help either. I can't do kid talk. When she starts talking, like when I hear her devotion to her kids and like, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for, I was just, I, I couldn't, I was wow. Um. Have I ever, I can't remember. I'm trying to think maybe once or twice I've had some tears drop in a podcast, but I haven't been like where I can't talk. No, yeah, I've never seen you cry on the show before. I can't, I couldn't talk. Um, that happened to me when I saw this movie Dracula untold right after I had Avi. 
in the in the dad and i was just like sitting down to watch a dracula movie late at night obviously like a few months old and basically in the movie the guy has to turn into dracula and live an eternal life of hell to save his son and i'm just like i can't watch this fucking movie i fucking came on Haley's like what's going on i'm like i just I, I'm a parent now, I guess. This just we just watched that the other day too. That's funny. It's good, right? It is a good movie. Yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you were here to witness that shit. <laughs> what a mess. All right. Worth it. Okay, brother. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Guys, Bye, everyone, thank you. Uh, I'm I'm good. Uh, I'm gonna reach out to. I think Brian and I might do a show tonight. He reached out to me. I need to. Um, I need to see what, what kind of show he wants to do. All right, guys. Uh, see you guys later. Bye.